What's up, everybody? Welcome again to Wise Guys Hideaway. I'm your host, Ian Barr, and today I'm going to be talking about good old Samuel Mad Sam DeStefano, one of the most ruthless, sadistic sons of bitches to ever really, I mean, to ever really run through organized crime, to be honest, but uh, especially when it comes to uh, the Chicago outfit. Before we get into that, though, I'm going to, you know, give my quick uh, promo plugs real quick. Big shout out to Arthane Clothing Apparel and uh, Gunnar Lindblom, author of To Be a King's Volume 1 and 2. Big shout out to Scott M. Bernstein, author of Motor City Mafia and the host of the original Gangster Podcast. Uh, Al Prophet, uh, uh, Frank DiMario, Larry Mazza, you know, all the guys out there that, you know, really, uh, really hold it down for me and, you know, let me sort of shift my way into their their life and uh and pick their brains you know what i mean so big shout out to all those guys i also gotta give a big shout out to all the guys over there at our thing david randazzo i'm grand rappers what's up brother you know ronnie cockroach how you living bro hope yeah i hope your uh your beachfront property is still beachfront and not a uh, water world uh who else we got here i mean we got james ramirez we got boston rob how you doing how's your ma uh you know paulie g from new york you know i mean david braxpire from london all the boys over there, and then, you know, of course, my friends and family, who, uh, I mean, who always, all the way along, all throughout my life, told me that I needed to do some kind of radio or some sort of, you know, entertainment platform of some kind, so big shout out to all you guys, love y'all, and uh, yeah, we out here getting it. I gotta give another uh, quick shout out to Augusta Towers for uh, keeping me, you know, <laughs> keeping me climbing and uh, keeping me making making that, that bread, you know, so that we can all, uh, so that we can all eat on this end <laughs> also uh they're responsible for this gnarly uh farmer's tan i got we uh unfortunately can't pop our shirts off up there in the tower so what are you gonna do oh oh i gotta give a special shout out to slew and rab the author of the five families book you see right behind me it's his birthday happy birthday man uh that guy's just a slew of mob knowledge so yeah extra happy birthday to him and uh let's get into it so, born on September 13th, 1909, uh, Samuel Mad Sam DeStefano Jr. was one of three sons and then was one of seven children to Samuel Sr. and uh, Rosalie, who were both uh, hardworking Italian immigrants who immigrated to, you know, Illinois in, you know, roughly 19, uh, 1903. And, uh, I mean, despite, you know, how two of the sons ended up, uh, might actually be all three of the sons. I'm not 100% on that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the parents were hardworking, blue collar. I mean, old school, traditional, Italian, Catholic, you know. I mean, so is it nature or is it nurture, guys? That's what I mean. That's what I always wonder when I uh, read into some of these fellas. And uh, in particularly with uh, Mad Sam Mustafa, you know, I really do just think he was born evil. I mean, just that the Chicago... Uh, FBI branch uh, actually deemed him the worst and most prolific torture, you know, torture murderer in the U in the United States. He uh he had a real penchant for violence and he had a real penchant for for torturing victims who owed him money. He uh he definitely would go down as one of the most notorious loan sharks, uh, not only in Chicago but just in organized crime in general. Um, due simply to the fact that he had a he had a weird sort of fetish, if you will, where he loved high-risk uh, loans. Uh, individuals who, you know, they probably squandered or fucked up with a, a 
a bookmaker or a few bookmakers throughout the city. And so now they're not only are they really not welcome as far as, you know, loan sharks, bookmakers, all that goes, but they're also, uh, their, their interest is just instantaneously higher. <laughs> I mean, Mad Sam at some points would charge 25%, uh, vigorish on the money he'd lend you. And, uh, from, from what, uh, Frank Collada, uh, Tony Spilatro's right-hand man turned, uh, you know, state's, uh, witness that we discussed last weekend uh, about, uh, Martin Scorsese's movie Casino, Tony Spilatro and, you know, uh, Lefty, uh, Lefty Rosenthal and all those guys. Well, Mad Sam's who mentored Tony Spilatro and Tony Spilatro sort of, uh, you know, half mentored Collada, but, uh, even, uh, even Frank Collada, you know, he got a real talk, real Chicago type talk. And, uh, he always said that, you know, Mad Sam was just that he was mad. He was a, he was a dog, you know, uh, I drifted into more of an East coast accent over there, but you know, Chicago, you know, like <laughs> Frank Collada is a trip, man. If you, uh, if you're ever looking for a, a good, like mob informant documentary piece on Chicago, uh, I, I've always enjoyed how Frank Collada narrates it. Cause he never really holds any qualms about how shitty of a person he was. He just kind of owns it. You know, you get like, I mean, you get some of these guys who act like, you know, they're so remorseful or they're so, you know, like, uh, like Philip Leonetti from the Philly mob, uh, who turned, turned state's evidence. He, uh, when he tells his story, it's all, it seems like it's always someone else's fault why he ended up in the positions he ended up in, you know, and ended up killing people and whatever. But Frank Collage is like, yeah, no, Chicago, I own it, Tony, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, like I said, if you're ever looking for a, a mob doc on Chicago, go, uh, go ahead and just type in Frank Collada. He'll pop up. Now, another fun fact about Mad Sam is that the powers that be, you know, the overseers of the Chicago outfit uh, throughout the course of his career always found him so mentally unstable, uh, sporadic, and homicidal that they refused to ever uh, give him his button. They refused to ever, uh, you know, induct him as a made man. Uh, however, even though he was just an, an associate slash enforcer, he did become one of the biggest uh, loan sharks in Chicago underworld, you know, history. So he, he sort of he sort of had a, a real fine role to play as far as uh, as far as an associate went. He definitely held a little more reins than you know your average associate. But yeah, but they never they never would make him. Oh, he was born in uh, Schrader, Illinois, and then eventually his parents would move to you know uh, different sections of Illinois, such as Heron, uh, where his father would become a coal miner for a while. I mean, his father Sam Senior, I mean he he. He did a lot of things. He was a, he was a real stand-up guy. You know, he's a laborer, a grocer. Uh, he was a sale door-to-door salesman for a while, real estate agent. You know, he he wasn't a criminal. He was he wasn't a scumbag like his son would end up being. And uh, you know, he would die of natural causes in 1942 when he was 77. His wife Rosalie would die in, in October of 1960. Um, obviously in the care of her children. But as I said before, they had three sons and uh, four daughters. Um, the daughters all ended up, you know, as, I mean, as normal as you're going to end up with having a brother like Mad Sam, who probably, you know, unfortunately molested them, the sick son of a bitch. Uh, I, I, I don't know that for a fact. I just know that Mad Sam Gustafno is a, a habitual rapist. So, yeah, he's a real piece of shit, which, I mean, I just never got that one either. You know, you, you got to rob a bank, you know, you need money. You, uh, you're going to, you know, do a little bookmaking or a gambling operation, you know, you sell a little dope or, 
Uh, I mean, even when somebody, you know, is a liability or fucks up and you got to put two in the back of their head, they got to go. That all makes sense to me. I never got the, the whole the whole rape bit. I just, just, just don't rape women. It's just, yeah, I mean, just, it's pretty much, it's pretty much that easy. Just, you know, yeah, do whatever you want as a criminal. It's like, you know, have some kind of guidelines. Jesus, leave kids the fuck alone and stop raping women, you fucking animals. So... Shortly after Mad Sam's uh, born is when they moved to Heron. He, his father becomes a coal miner for a little while. Due to certain trials and tribulations and a series of unfortunate events, uh, eventually the family's relocated yet again to Little Italy in Chicago's north, uh, north side. Now, I mean, Sam almost instantly took to the streets. I mean, from the time he, from the time he could figure out his first hustle, he just started running with it. Um, and would really show his uh, ruthlessness in November of 1927 when him and another individual by the name of Ralph Orlando uh, were each sentenced to uh, time in prison for the orchestration and, uh, you know, gang rape of a 17-year-old girl, essentially. Uh, Mad Sam and Orlando, uh, they sort of abducted the girl from a, a, a road, you know, as she walked down the sidewalk. They took her to a parking garage and several other men, you know, converged at the parking garage and they all began to obviously take turns raping this poor young girl. Uh, Orlando actually did, uh, in fact, rape her and was given 10 years for that. However, here's one of those shitty fucking judicial loopholes. Mad Sam uh, was simply waiting his turn when a, a beat cop is actually what stopped the gang rape from being, you know, entirely fun. They probably would have killed her at the end. So, I mean, luckily for her, uh, the beat cop, you know, caught up halfway through and put a stop to it and all the parties involved were arrested. But Mad Sam hadn't yet had a chance to rape the girls. So he was only given three years. And I mean, that's just, I don't know. The loopholes like that make me fucking sick. And that's, that's the problem with fucking scumbag lawyers right there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's brilliant that you can you know sift through words and read in the books and find every you know nook and cranny that the law has to offer. But you know, if somebody's a rapist. Maybe just I don't know, just let them go. <laughs> just send them up for at least five, if not ever. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so after he does his bid in 1930, Sam uh proceeds to join the uh 42 Street Gang, 40 you know 42nd Street Gang, which is uh, at that time run by a young up-and-comer who will eventually be the, they say he was the boss of the Chicago outfit um, for a stretch. I feel like he was like the face boss and the big tuna really ran things, but nonetheless, Salvatore, uh, Momo, or, you know, Sam Giancana. And so, you know, Mad Sam links up with Giancana and uh, Giancana sort of, sort of shows Mad Sam different, you know, Opera, how to run different, you know, scams and operations such as bootlegging and, you know, gambling and, you know, I mean, just your, your bread and butter, the bread and butter for the mafia, uh, you know, de uh, during a, a botched robbery in August 1932, Mad Sam's actually uh, wounded by a police bullet, manages to escape and uh, when receiving medical treatment at the hospital, just, you know, refused to, refused to answer anything about uh, how he had received a gunshot wound. Uh, not, not too long after that, 1933, uh, Sam's convicted in New Lisbon, Wisconsin of, uh, bank robbery. 
and uh, I slept with a 40 year stretch. So, I mean, for a second, it seemed like people's, you know, mothers, daughters, and sisters were, you know, a lot safer from this fucking animal. But <laughs> come 1942, roughly in December, uh, Governor Julius Hell uh, pardoned him. I don't know who from what operation uh, managed to get to Governor Hell, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, just in a, in a mere nine years out of 40, Mad Sam's back on the street. However, it won't last too long, because within two years, uh, and you know, two, like two years or so, Mad Sam goes right back to prison. I mean, he he just he can't. I mean, he can't help it. He he was sent back to prison around June in 1947 for uh, uh, counterfeiting ration stamps. Now, what ration stamps are for everybody who's my age and you know didn't decide to read history books, uh, sort of like what an EBT is um, from back in the day, and like just like people you know sell their EBT for cash and you know find a loophole in the system, they were doing it back then too. It's all it's all been done. You know what I mean? During his stay at Leavenworth uh, Federal Penitentiary, though, uh, like during the 40s, uh, Mad Sam manages to meet some real top-shelf Chicago outfit uh, Cosa Nostra members, such as uh, Paul the Waiter Rica, who will play a, a, a big role in, the, in sort of the power the power vacuum that Chicago will, uh, will, will grip onto, as well as uh, Louis Campagna. And... Uh, I mean, those, those connections really helped him, you guys. Like, I mean, because in 19, uh, shortly after his release, he obtains a civil service job as a garbage foreman and actually sort of has like a legitimate run until around 1952 when his record's discovered. And uh, he's he's fired from his civil service job, but he's not uh, he's not criminally charged. So, you know, one yet again, Mad Sam, you know, happens to catch a fucking break. Now, soon after that, he begins uh, loan sharking, and this is this will be where Mad Sam Destapano finds, uh, I guess, what he would consider his true calling, uh, lending money to degenerate gamblers, drug addicts, and deadbeats, and then uh, charging luxurious interest, hoping that they never even make the first payment so that he can cut off a, a finger or, you know, stick ice picks in, in your testicles or, you know, I mean... All sorts of all sorts of things. Frank Lott is reported as saying one time that uh, he uh, they were, you know, going to work on a deadbeat, uh, torturing him, and he uh, he says, uh, you know, I could have swore Sam was, you know, foaming at the mouth, you know, he just a real sick, sick guy, just a real sick guy. So I mean, he Sam Destavano enjoyed torture to a level that even like medieval, you know, torturers who that literally was their job would be like, you know, all right, guy, just, you know, I might take it down a peg or two. Uh, he's who mentored, uh, Tony Spilatro, uh, the individuals that we talked about last week. And, and, uh, he, uh, I mean, he, he taught Tony everything he knew and sort of took him under his wing, like, uh, you know, like a son. Um, despite the fact that, you know, he was fit three ways for a straight jacket uh, Mad Sam actually did have some very, very cunning and, I mean, rather ingenious, um, sort of get-by maneuvers, I'll call them, which, uh, 
One of them would be he wore these big old thick rimmed glasses so that most people thought like, oh, well, Sam can't see me. When in reality, it, it, was just, it was just a clear lens. No, it wasn't a bifocal or nothing in the lens. Or if so, it was very minuscule, almost like a reading glass. And uh, that way he could uh, appear to be, you know, like you, you would be blind. People would think they, you know, this, that or whatever. And yet, you, you know, you got perfect vision. You're <laughs> staring out your peripherals. You know, you're, you're taking it all in, you know. Uh, another crazed thing Mad Sam used to do is when an individual would, you know, owe him a large amount of money and, and Sam would be, you know, getting ready to punch his ticket. He would buy said individual uh, uh, an expensive gift and have, you know, like and have it known that he had given it to him. That way, when the, you know poor son of a bitch turns up in the trunk of a car in the field or you know in uh, in the east river um or not the east river that's new york i apologize or in lake michigan uh sam, mad sam would be like uh i mean why 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 would i hurt that individual i mean look look at the nice gift i got them you know like uh, that was my friend why would i ever hurt my friend which is really <laughs> i mean that's uh, really really conniving and sick and just i mean really unnecessary to be honest with it uh, however, though, I mean, his, his sadistic process worked. He became one of the most successful loan sharks that the outfit's ever seen. Uh, Tony Arcado and Sam Giancana were so taken by how well he did at loan sharking that they invested their, their own money, not, uh, not, you know, some sort of scheme money or this, that, no, no, their own personal savings money they had stacked away, uh, and, and they backed Mad Sam uh, with their own, with their own cash, because they knew that he, I mean, he was just a cash register. He's charging 20 to 25% interest. Uh, killing is his fucking go-to. So you never have to worry about the, the collection. And I mean, he just, he just was a money machine. Now, following a negative report in the Chicago Tribune, reporter William Doherty was assaulted by a mad Sam Destapano as well as threatened with a gun. He, uh, he, I mean, he really did a number on that, that guy, you know, and he, I mean, Matt Sam wasn't just terrible to, uh, rivals and the public and every random woman that went and if he felt like raping, he did or attempted to, he was terrible to everyone, including his wife, uh, Janine Rose and all six of their children went into hiding after his death because they just knew how terrible their father was and that, you know, now that he was gone, if any, anybody could, you know, even half avenge what Mad Sam might have put their father, brother, uncle, sister, whatever through. I mean, they, they, it was smart to go into hiding and they were definitely all, all, all at great risk, I'm sure. And not only was he, you know, an abusive father, uh, but he was also an abusive husband. I mean, he constantly would rape his own wife, forcing her to have you know, sex with him when, when she wouldn't want to. And one, uh, one time when he became enraged with her, he, he held a, a stranger, another gentleman at gunpoint and forced that gentleman to rape his wife just to, um, like, just to, hum just to humiliate her. And that, that's just fucked. Like, that is just fucked up. Like, I don't even know, I don't even know what it takes to be that evil of a person or that, just cold and just callous as a person. I mean, you want to talk about a textbook, a psychopath 
true to blue, not like a debatable, oh, maybe he's just a sociopath, maybe he's a nice, no. Mad Sam Dostofano, uh was a, a manic schizophrenic, in my opinion. I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know. And, but yeah, manic schizophrenic as well as just a true to blue psychopath. I mean, he just didn't feel. He didn't have remorse. Now, by the mid-50s, Dostofano had bullied or bribed his way into the political, you know, the political ties that bind in Chicago. He, uh, he, he actually used to even brag that, like, uh, there isn't a case that I can't fix because allegedly, uh, Mad Sam Dostofano, uh, was quite the fixer when it came to, you know, rigging juries or, uh, you know, helping to get people acquitted or lesser sentences. And it's even alleged that one time with a, a mere $20,000, he fixed the out, the outcome, the decision, the verdict. There it is. I couldn't think of the word on a first degree murder case and, uh, and fixed the verdict and, you know, a more favorable side for whatever he needed, which was obviously not guilty. So he could keep his people on the streets. Um, I mean, corruption at this time is, uh, I mean, also just running rampant, but corrupt, like it got to be so routine for mad Sam that even like that crooked cops, uh, you know, sort of escorted him to and from like his home and his meetings. And, you know, and it just, it, I mean, it is, it's really incredible that this guy just was allowed to live as long as he did. But no, I mean, as I said before, he was a cash register. He's more like a slot machine. This motherfucker could just, I, he, cause he didn't really thrive for the money. Anytime I've ever seen photos or any kind of anything about man saying he's not really an impeccable dresser. Uh, I've never really seen a big, uh, a massive house out of there. I don't think money really motivated him as much as just getting to hurt people. Really, truthfully, that's just my opinion. I'm sure the money was a nice cherry on top, but this fucking guy would get a little too giddy when people couldn't pay up their debts. It's, I mean, it's a little, I mean, gangsters always handle it the way gangsters do, but you're not supposed to be so upbeat about it. You're supposed to be kind of like, ah, oh, come on, man. And then you're like, well, let's give him a beat. And Mad Sam will be like, let's pull his fucking teeth out. You know, like, so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, definitely not somebody he wanted to cross. Uh, in the early 60s, uh, Mad Sam is uh, definitely just like leading the loan sharking racket for the Chicago outfit. I mean, he he's doing so well, but yet he's slowly already digging himself his own grave. And just his bizarre antics and his sadistic amount of violence got worse and worse and worse. Like, you know, the older and older he got and just the more he seemed to get more and more crazed. Now in 1965, eventually, uh, Dostofano is convicted on conspiracy and sentenced to three to five. So February 22nd, 1972, you know, he's given a three and a half year sentence for threatening a witness. I mean, this guy just towards the end of his run, he just couldn't quit catching cases, couldn't quit being indicted, and he couldn't quit going in front of the TV cameras and, and the news medias and just just flapping his gums, just like just. I mean, we a lot of people have heard the Gotti tapes. Uh, I mean, if you haven't, we'll we will get to them. But nonetheless, John Gotti talked an immense amount and talked an immense amount in public and it was very vigorous and was very, but his was sort of just ego and, and sort of having this sense of swag and all, you know, and entitlement about him. Mad Sam's was just, it did just that. It was the babblings of a fucking madman. I mean, he would just like, 
there's there's one particular video where he's talking about like i am my brother's keeper he, after i think an attempted murder on his brother's life or you know something like that it, it's just any 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 film i've ever seen of the stop and i'm talking he really just sounds like he should be in a padded room in a straight jacket or in a hole somewhere you know now eventually sam's going to end up on trial for a very high profile murder case involving a union foreman um during during the court proceedings sam becomes sort of just unhinged and reckless and uh just really begins babbling just you know being held in contempt of court then just goes out into the hall after you know after the proceedings and just really just starts just flapping away to the press and making a spectacle of himself and so eventually despite how much how immense the money he could make for the outfit was a private meeting was held where tony arcado the big tuna uh gave Tony Spilatro, the okay go, or the green light, if you will, to kill his one-time mentor and, uh, you know, sort of his boss at the time. This is how Spilatro would make his bones in La Cosa Nostra and become a made man in the outfit, which would help to ascend him to where he we ended up last week and where he's in Vegas and, you know, the movie Casino. And, well, this would be it, because on April 14th, 1973... Mad Sam Mustafano was lured into his garage in uh, Galewood, and in the Galewood neighborhood, uh, in the 1600 block of the North Surrey Avenue. Uh, and once in the garage, Tony Spilantro, uh sort of came from the side and shot Mustafano twice with a shotgun. Uh, the first blast took off uh, his left arm uh, from the elbow down. And um, the second shot uh, sort of grazed grazed the side of uh, uh, his head, and uh, I mean, they they put him down like the mad dog he was, you know. I mean, guy, I mean a guy like that, a guy that loose hinge and crazy, he's he's gonna have to die. Uh, the bittersweet irony would be that the the individual that would you know murder him, as per usual in the mob, would be uh, the individual that he had taken under his wing and, and mentored and sort of loved like a son. But, I mean, I, I don't think Spilatro, Collada, Arcado, I don't think anybody ever really batted an eye over whether or not Mad Sam DiStofano would have to be murdered, but just a matter of when. So, well, that's all I got for you guys here today. Uh, I'll be, uh, be back here next weekend. You know, I'm, I'm on the road all week with uh, the new – job that I have it's not really new I've been doing it for a for a stretch now but yeah so uh I'm on the road all week long but like I said man any anybody out there who's listening anybody who you know gives me the time of day I really appreciate you I got a I got a bit of a bumpy road going on right now in my personal life and uh you know I, just anything to help you know keep me distract keep me you know from being in my own head too much is much appreciated so and uh, just the, I guess the one thing I want to leave out on would be if, uh, if there's somebody out there that you care about, if you got, you know, if you got love in your life, uh, I mean, embra- embrace that shit, man, because that's uh, that shit don't just come around all the time. And it's real, real fragile and it's real easy to lose. So but I don't mean to go down. Uh, I don't mean to go out on such a down note. I love you guys and uh, I hope you enjoyed. I know I did. Take it easy.